Welcome to Judge John Hodgman. This week's episode was recorded live at the Wheeler Theater in Port Townsend, Washington. It was our first stop on our Frontier Justice Tour of the West. It was full of surprises. And boy, oh boy, was it a treat to finally meet Mayor David, the person responsible for getting us to Port Townsend, Washington. Uh, We had a great time. So without further ado, let's go to the stage at the, what do you call it again, Jesse? The Wheeler Theater? The Wheeler Theater. Wheeler Theater in Port Townsend, Washington. Let's go. Why not? Port Townsend, Washington, you've come to us desperate for justice. And here we are at the Wheeler Theater to deliver it. Let's bring out our first set of litigants. Please welcome to the stage, Amy and Toby. Tonight's case, burden of hoof. Amy brings the case against her husband, Toby. Amy and Toby became accidental farmers when they moved back to the island where Toby grew up and bought a home that came with a tractor. Now that their kids are nearly grown, they want to spend more time sailing. But the farm is too much work. Amy wants to build lodging to hire help. Toby says it's not that simple. Who's right? Who's wrong? Only one can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom and delivers an obscure cultural reference. Hello there. I am surrounded by hundreds, probably thousands, of killer bees. If I weren't wearing this suit, I would be dead in an instant. Bailiff Jesse Thorne, please swear them in. Amy and Toby, please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God or whatever. You bet. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that something about the controversial (laughs) Raccoon Lodge... (laughs) I'm so excited. I don't even know anything about it. Uh, Yes. Sure. Uh, Judge Hodgman, you may proceed. Amy and Toby, you may be seated for an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors. Can either of you name the piece of culture that I apparently direct quoted as I entered this courtroom here in Port Townsend, Washington? Amy, why don't you go first? This is not what I expected. Um... What did you expect? You didn't expect to be. You didn't expect <laughs> to be part training? of a live podcast recording. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I was expecting um, maybe a little Lyle Lovett if I had a boat. a little Lyle Lovett. Um, you mean like a short quote from Lyle Lovett or a tiny yeah. version of Lyle Lovett? Oh, I'd take either. Because I don't know how I didn't think you could make Lyle <laughs> Lovett more adorable. <laughs> right. So it seems like him being kind of tall and wiry is is the key to his appeal, but a little tiny one. That would be terrific. You, you know the song he, he sings about, If I Had a Boat? If I Had a Boat. Yeah. Because that figures into well, your Well, because it has a pony, too, on the boat. He has a pony on the boat. Yeah. So, okay. But it's no, not I that. see why that would be good, knowing what I know about your case. But um, Right? Well, let's just put it down, and we'll just, I'll just write it down here as a possibility. I'm not saying whether you're right or wrong, but I'm writing it down for you now. Yeah, no, no. That's not my choice. Toby, what is your guess? It's a stretch. I'm uh, I'm midway through the memoir written by uh, Madeleine Albright called Madam Secretary. And there's Toby, a- you're absolutely right. That's incredible. <laughs> she does have a That's chapter. incredible. It's from Boutros Boutros Golly's memoir. Let's go back called, to the let's go back called to the, the raccoon quote. follies. I am surrounded by hundreds, probably thousands of killer bees. 
If I wasn't wearing this suit, I would be dead in an instant. My name is Madeline Albright. Enjoy my memoir. It's the introduction. It's plausible. You got to grab them right up top. Madeline knows that. So I want to know how Madeline Albright got into this situation. What a record scratch. She's an extraordinary person. You... So is Lyle Lovett. This is not a referendum on whether Madeline Albright is an extraordinary person. Ir- uh, irrespective of how we feel about her policies, we can agree that she is extraordinary. I don't. Does she do some? Uh, does she do some beekeeping in the? No, it was a uh, it was a reference to the raccoon follies, which was a little known dispute in uh, the Yugoslavia border between, you know. This is this is why nothing Amy, gets done. What's Toby do? What's, what the, I know there's some children in the audience, so I apologize. What what the hellfire is Toby doing right now? Trying are you spinning a gag? It's a delay him? tactic, so don't have to get to the court. <laughs> All guesses are wrong. I'm afraid. So we'll have to hear this case. Who seeks justice in this court? I do. Amy, what is the justice that you seek? We need help. And we need help, so we... That's not what I'm here for. (laughs) I'm here to tell one of you you're wrong. (laughs) That might be helpful. Uh, Was it it you two, first of all, that I ran into while walking through the compound today? Yes. I should recuse myself. Did she try to pass you a $100 bill or something? Nope, just a jar of jam. (laughs) Fair enough. We We did receive a case of jam. The perfect thing to get on the first show of your tour. That's right. <laughs> Just think of what you're going to get I'm in Portland. Gonna, I'm going to drink or, uh, one of those jars of jam every day on the way. I brought my extra jam carry-on, so. <laughs> yeah. The best, thing, the best thing to give people who are on a, on a tour is uh, large jars of liquids. <laughs> <laughs> Can we? something delicate, bulky, and illegal to take on a plane. <laughs> anyway, at the merch booth after the show, we'll be giving out jam. <laughs> we sell them for $8 a jar. Wow. I'll sell them for three. <laughs> I'll put them at the foot of the stage. I'm sure they're delicious. I want to hear all about the jam. What is the help that you need? We... So we're accidental farmers. We did not mean sure, to do you this. say that as though, oh, by the way, <laughs> I forgot to say what the piece of culture was. Here we go. <laughs> All guesses are wrong. That actually is a direct quote, apparently, from the movie We Bought a Zoo. <laughs> I hope that's true. I looked it up on the internet. It's not a movie that I've seen. Me but either. according to my brief here, much in the same way that some people just buy zoos, you accidentally became a farmer. Or farmers, as the case may be. Tell me about the help that you need. We need some person, people, to start helping us on the farm on on a regular basis so that we can start to transition away from farming all the time, every day, and spend a little bit more time on our forever boat that we just acquired. Well, you just acquired a boat. That's why you wanted the cultural reference to be about a boat with a pony on it. Yes. You want to combine your two worlds of land and sea. (laughs) Kind of. Do you have livestock on the farm? Yes. What kind of livestock? A pony? No. What? We have sheep. Okay. How many sheep do you have? 
I knew he was going to ask. You're not good farmers. Thirty-ish. Like, <laughs> too many. You got to count them. You got to count them. You can't just fall asleep. You got to finish counting them. <laughs> they used to all have names, but. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know. I know we... this is Port Townsend. You can't just go to sleep. <laughs> You, there is a question that I have that we have to answer first. Okay. How did you become accidental farmers? His fault. Toby, it's your <laughs> fault. What happened? Uh, I grew up on Vashon Island, and my folks still live there, and we were interested in moving back. It's an island, it's an island here in the, in the yeah. Puget Sound yeah. of, and, of, of Washington State. And we had been looking at property or houses to, to purchase and move our family, and my fifth grade teacher and middle school librarian, who are married couples, were um, at the point of their life where they needed to, where they elected to move into a uh, assisted living, and their little farm, and it was a small farm at the time, was offered to us uh, on Vashon Island. On Vashon, and it was just a perfect spot, and so uh, we bought it and fired up the tractor. And next thing we knew, we were surrounded with sheep and chickens and ducks and berries and orchards and a lot of work. Like you, did you have the tractor it was like already? A magic tractor. We just. <laughs> yeah. You just you just uh, turned on the tractor and all these animals rushed out of the woods and say you have to care for us. It kind of feels that way, honestly. <laughs> I mean, we do we we do enjoy farming. It's been super fulfilling, and we've actually made some of these decisions uh, coherently along the way. But now we find ourselves uh, you know underwater. In how terms long? Of how long have you had this farm? Thirteen years. Thirteen years. Thirteen years of farming. And, and you said you said sheep, and what else did you say rushed out of the woods to you? Chickens. We actually did have a rooster that rushed out of the woods and adopted us. Really? His yeah. name's Sparky. <laughs> Is this a real island? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and it's not a fantasy island? Because those no. exist. <laughs> those exist. They're real. I believe in them. What else? What do you do on the farm? What do you, what do, you do with the sheep? What do you do with the chickens? Obviously... You you get you gave us a whole bunch of jam that we can't use, so you make that. You must have an orchard. Yes. Tell me about what do you got? What do you tell me about okay, the crops? We have a little over a hundred trees in the orchard, uh, and then we raise berries. We have raspberries, Logan berries, Cascade berries. We've dabbled in black raspberries. In our effort to uh, scale things down, we built a greenhouse and started growing tomatoes and cucumbers. And we thought it was a great idea to grow loofah sponges last year. They- it almost worked. <laughs> Those don't live under the ocean. <laughs> no. Well, like, yeah, well, maybe we should clarify this. What the? How do you? Like how do you grow a loofah? How do you grow a loofah? It's a it's a Chinese vegetable that oh, okay. actually looks like a zucchini, but in theory, you let it grow until it's fully mature, and then all that's left is the the cytoskeleton sort of thing. Can I ask you a question? How many other household products are actually Chinese vegetables? <laughs> I just feel like I'm learning a lot about farming right now. Yeah. You'd, be, you'd be very surprised. <laughs> Safety razors. <laughs> L- lint rollers. <laughs> Vitamixes. Vitamixes. It's actually kind of a gourd, actually. Yeah. Did you know that? <laughs> you almost grew a loofah, which sounds like a great title for your book. <laughs> Get an introduction by Madeline Albright in there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can give up this farm. It's a lot of work. It's, and how do you make money on the farm? Is this, I mean, is this a livelihood or is this all hobby farming? Um, so we have day jobs. Okay. What are your day jobs? I'm a middle school science teacher. Terrific. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. Hmm. All right. 
Interesting. Congratulations. Wonderful. And what do you do for a living, sir? I'm an, uh, besides being an accidental farmer, a, a technology, uh, I, in, in technology for public transit systems. Okay. And also on the school board. You make the little thing you, you, you pull to go ding, I want to get off. <laughs> I, I, let, I uh, help support the technology to allow people to pay with uh, Apple Pay, for example, when they get on a train or a bus. Oh, fantastic. And all the systems that make that happen. Right. Most are of you originally Chinese vegetables, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> are you both also graphic designers and librarians? <laughs> because it's a little on the nose for Judge John Hodgman listeners here. <laughs> We live next door to a graphic designer, and we bought our house from a librarian. Well, there you go. That all sounds, I mean, the, the, those, those are both real jobs. I mean, particularly teaching middle school is all-consuming uh, emotionally, and, and well, it takes up a lot of time. Uh, farming is also, I thought, a full-time job. Is it or is it not? Well, you can squeeze it in. All right. People ask us, how do you have all this time to farm? And, uh, we don't watch a lot of sports. I guess that's really the answer. <laughs> that is the answer, David. It seems to clear up uh, like 10 to 15 hours a week. I happen to watch a lot of sports, and my farm is dope. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly Literally how many sheep up. I have. Literally yeah, grow it's up. a grow-up. Technically, it's a grow-up. So what do, you, what do you sell, and how do you sell it? We, um, in an effort to, to work less, we uh, started a farm stand. Sure. Uh-huh. In an effort to work less. Mm-hmm. How so? we put the things in the farm stand and people come and help themselves. But what, what were you doing with all these boys and berries and Washington state berries yeah. and goo yeah. berries and dirt berries? berries. What was happening before the farm stand? At one time we tried a CSA where we literally drove boxes of beautifully uh, prepared vegetables and, right. and uh, fruit to people's houses and then set it on their porch because they were out playing on their sailboats. And they'd come home late at night, and it would all be wilted and sad. That was not great. Gotcha. So you were making people come to you. That was how you were saving time and effort at mm-hmm. that point. Okay. Yeah. And is the farm stand successful? Yeah, I'd say it is. Well, it became successful monetarily, which, uh, you know, the scale of things were, we made like $5,000 in the farm stand. Uh, Amy's bread that she makes and the jam are big sellers and decent margin. Uh, and eggs and berries sell well. Uh, everything else is a huge money loser. Well, <laughs> but we were, I mean, we have been raising lamb for a number of years, and we raise it for meat. Uh, and we were really, really lucky that from the time we started keeping sheep, we had a local abattoir on the island who would come and harvest for us, but they moved to Oklahoma. I think. East yeah. of the Rockies. Yeah. So we don't have anyone to harvest, but that was another. So we, we sold lamb too. You told that story with the admirable use of euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> As an omnivore, I appreciate that. <laughs> In any case, is, do you want to sell the farm because you're having trouble making ends meet or you want to go to sea? You have a boat. Tell me about buying this boat. Uh, well, when, when we met and, and, fell in love uh we he was living on a sailboat let the record reflect (laughs) that amy made a (laughs) gesture a sort of i I guess you know Uh, what would be the word here (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, you have to understand that in agrarian societies, love does not necessarily factor into marriages. If you've accidentally bought a farm off your former fifth grade teacher, you're not looking for someone to have romance with, you're looking for someone who can haul in the goo-goo berries. That's right. But then she finds a boat to buy. And this is a boating community, Port Townsend. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's, it, we, it is on the ocean. There mm -hmm. are a lot of wooden boats made here. I mean, they really do call it the Maine of the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in fact, <clears throat> when we were driving here this morning, we thought, when was the last time we were here in a car? It's been 20 years that we've become frequently on the boat. Oh, right, from Vashon yeah. Island. Right, on a ferry boat, not, not on no, the No, it's a sailboat. You sailed over here? Yeah. Not today. Well, why not? <laughs> I, would do, I wouldn't mind a cruise tomorrow morning. <laughs> Enjoying some sensitively harvested lamb. <laughs> Merguez sausage. Yeah. We could eat all that jam. We could have a great time. You could sail us down to Seattle. That's where we're going tomorrow. Right. How long would that take? Uh, depending on the current and the wind, it could take... Oh, well, now you're going to get technical. Eight, eight to 12 hours? Eight to 12 hours. It's perfect. Let's leave now. <laughs> you have a sailboat, not a power boat. Correct. Tell me about this boat and how did it come into your life? Because in my experience, you don't go out looking to buy a boat because you don't want disaster in your life. It happens to you. A boat shows up at your door or you, or you, you, accident, you accidentally drop something in the yard and all of a sudden it rushes out to you from the, from the woods. <laughs> and then it says, give me all your money. <laughs> And I was like, you're only a 14-foot rowboat. It's like, sorry. It sounds like you're describing sorry, raccoons. Sorry, you moved to Maine. It happens. You have to rebuild it every year. Stupid wooden boat. And it might not have even been made by Jimmy Steele. Yeah, that's what we found out. If you read Vacation Land, you'd know. This boat was supposedly made by a local craftsman, and now I'm being told it's made by some other guy. Anyway, <laughs> boats are fun. How did this one come into your life? Is there a reason you don't want to answer this question? Because I've asked it four times, and it's followed by a deep sigh every time. And I understand it because answering the question means you have to acknowledge to strangers that not only do you harvest lambs, but you bought a boat. Two things that's hard to brag about. <laughs> but stipulated, it's part of this case. So where is the boat from? When did you get it? And how did it happen? Amy, stop avoiding the question. Don't wait for the translation. Answer the question. In my defense, I'm from Chicago. All right. Okay. So They have fake oceans there. <laughs> You're not going to tell me it's landlocked. Answer the question, Amy. We bought the boat because we thought that we would live on it. Okay. You think you're the first person to think about that? <laughs> That's what everyone ever looks at a boat thinks about. Why do you think there are houseboats? I think I haven't slept in my rowboat. <laughs> what are you ashamed of? I'm not ashamed of it. Or I mean, like, I love it. I, I would say it's it's more it's more your love. I mean, you're you're the you're the captain. <laughs> what are you taking me to court for? <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, look. I, we... I mean, I think you know people who spouses who own boats together have real trouble. And it has a lot to do with the fact that there can only be a captain in the boat. And it's really hard to acknowledge that we, yeah, we've you're the sailed, captain. We've sailed all over the Pacific, or west coast of the Pacific and Puget Sound and up into Canada. And we're excellent teammates on the crew. Terrific. Uh, the sailboat 
uh, I was living on a sailboat when we first met and we continued to race boats for years. And when we had kids, we decided to live on land and uh, accidentally got the farm, which was super fulfilling in terms of uh, expressing our family values and what was important to us and what we wanted our kids to learn as they got older. And now they're one's in college, one's almost uh, in college. And we want to get back to sailing. You want to sail away and never see them again. Some days. I understand. <laughs> You're going through a big life transition. Judge Hodgman, I had uh, a friend when I was in middle school whose dad lived on a boat. Yeah. And uh, my friend didn't have to brush his teeth as long as he used a toothpick. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's a little something called boat values. <laughs> I'm going to ask you Suck one, your lime, boy. <laughs> I'm going to ask you one more time. How, just this is a simple question. What is, all right, what is the name of the boat? Odinata. No, I really want to know the answer. It's Latin for dragonfly. For dragonfly. Oh, uh-huh. that's lovely. Yeah. And, and how long have you had it? Why are you looking at each other like yeah. this is a... You murdered someone. <laughs> 100% a murder is in here somewhere. <laughs> our, our podcast just got so much more popular. <laughs> you didn't know this was going to be a true, true crime story? Yeah. How, how long? Look, we have We've a lot like of shows. Two and a half years. Two and a half years. Why was that so hard? You know, I, I don't know. I, well, okay. Do you so feel ambivalent about... Dragonfly? That's no, what I'm going to call no, it. No, 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 no. Not at all. No, if anything, we, we had hoped to take our kids sailing when they were a lot younger, but the farm happened. Right. <clears throat> and so we've These been... things just keep happening so we've been landlocked for a long time. And now, you know, our son is at college. Our daughter commutes off island every day for school. She's going to be going to college soon. We, we just are at that point where I'm a little afraid by the time we get everything dialed in, we're, we're going to be too old to use our boat. And we're kind of... Are you done with the farm? Is that what you're trying to tell me? You're done with the farm. You're done with land. You want to go to sea. So, I know, make, let the record show Toby is crossing his fingers. <laughs> we, we can't be done yet. Why? A curse? <laughs> <laughs> the curse of the harvested lamb. <laughs> Why will you hear the silence of the lamps? What is it? What's the time frame? Okay, so we're legally obligated to farm. We. um, What is happening in Washington (laughs) State? We love our rules. So, so we. Twenty years ago, we met a tiny man named Rumpelstiltskin. All right. (laughs) You are legally obligated to farm. Explain. Unless we sell it. Um, so we, so we've sold, um, farm preservation easements to our local government, okay. uh, in, in the county where we reside. And, uh, the, the stipulation is that it is a farm and it really should be farmed. And so we're expected to produce and sell some things from the farm. In order to live there. Well, in order to get a discount on our property. Okay. These are real things. Have you seen the property taxes I know we, around here? What's that? The property taxes around here are... I understand. I understand. So, in other words, the farm has to be productive. Uh-huh. 
or else you're going to, it's just not going to be feasible for you to continue right. because of the tax burden. But, but the other thing is we want, like the farm is really dope and we want it to keep going. Yeah. But you I mean, can't... that might be your answer right there. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is it's not dope enough. Yeah. yeah. You need to drop these Uchi Wally berries. And <laughs> yeah, because there's a there's a there's a, a kinder way to mm -hmm. harvest <laughs> certain things, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Drugs. <laughs> Sorry, kids. <laughs> Let's take a quick recess and hear about this week's Judge John Hodgman sponsor. We'll be back in just a moment on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org. And they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame, you can upload as many photos as you want and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step-by-step, day-by-day, bird-by-bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. 
One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. So what do you want to do with the farm? You want to continue to make it productive, right? but, but we, also get out on the boat and, mm-hmm. and leave the and, children behind. And really want to sort of help kind of, I guess, uh, have people apprentice on our farm, which is common in other places. So it's called woofing. Of course it is. Yeah. Woofing uh-huh. is apprenticing on a farm. Yeah. Willing workers on organic farms. Willing workers, workers on, on organic, organic farms. farms. Okay. It's a hippie thing for hippies. <laughs> yeah. But the problem is we live on this little island and you have to house these woofers and we don't have a place to house the woofers. So we need a place to house the woofers. And what do you propose? A woof house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay, here comes, this is, this is a crack. So we need to spend some money to build a woof house. A woofing house. A woofery. A woofery. Uh-huh. Okay. And you don't want to do that, Toby? Uh, I don't dispute that we need help. And I think that in a world of magic money, uh, having a tiny home or a place to house uh, farm workers would be fabulous and useful. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's the top priority. So with limited uh, time and money... um, I'm, I don't you think don't want to build the woofery. That's all I'm asking. You don't want to spend the money to do it. You don't want. You don't want to have woofies it sounds, on your. It sounds great. Your, I'm not sure we can stretch enough to. You do crossed that. your fingers when I asked Amy if she just wanted to give up the farm. You want to just give up the farm. I've I've loved the farm and it is precious to us. Uh, it's a ton of work and I'd li- I'd like. I think that you uh, are under the impression that the farm has feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Many days I am. And I understand why you feel that way. In fact, I, I think that, uh, I mean, I, I know that Amy and I both have uh, mutual objectives to find a way to reduce the amount of work and time and energy that we're spending on the farm so that we can do other things that we love to do together. Uh, I think the core... Sorry, kids. <laughs> no. Like, come Not... to the show. <laughs> But the core, the core dispute is uh, how do you know what do we do next? It's very overwhelming thinking about all the things that you could do that might be helpful. What are so the what is the alternative that you suggest? I think that uh, in an ideal state we would uh, we'd pare down the flock of sheep. We would reduce the size of the garden, mm-hmm. and and by doing that we how would, would you pare down the flock of sheep? <laughs> oh, I know, send them on vacation in France. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Send them to auction. <laughs> Load them onto the boat and take them to Oklahoma. <laughs> you, um, would, you would reduce your your herd, your flock of sheep. Yeah, and and pare down the amount of uh, garden that we manage uh, because that's very summer intensive. How would you pare it down? That's a great question. Yeah, I don't know. And then mo- moving the sheep and no chickens. answer. Did you say no, no answer? answer. <laughs> so that's a great question, but I don't think building a tiny house solves that problem. You. You want to build it, and you want to build a tiny house, and you're going to stack these woofies inside this tiny little shed <laughs> as an opportunity so that they can continue to produce on the farm. So we basically have everything that needs to go into this woofery in the garage, taking up space. 
you're talking about the the materials to make a, a house. The couch, the stove, Old the mini furniture. I I was talking about two befores. You're talking about furniture. Oh, no, but like all of that. All we have an extra Look, none refrigerator. Of us, none of us enjoy talking about money or boats. How much is this house going to cost? Here, I have, wait. So it's a ca- it's a cascade of of purchases, and I'd like to amend it a little bit. Look, local <laughs> references. <laughs> Are how I pander to the audience. <laughs> a cascade. I got it. Tell me more. Okay. So being a teacher and being a scientist, I like to look at the end, like what we're going for and plan backwards. So in preparation for tonight, which was fantastic, it mm-hmm. got me thinking. I'm, we're glad you're here. This is exciting. Yeah. Um, so for me too. We're going on a boat tomorrow. It's going to be so fun. So I, I actually did some research, and we could build a barn first. You're telling me Wait, your yeah. farm doesn't have a barn already? Yeah. Yeah. Going to build a barn. So Can go- I recommend start with a manger? <laughs> if, if there's no room at the end, start with a manger. Yeah. We, we have knows, two mangers. We'll come around and bring you some golden myrrh, and then you can We have that. two mangers, and we're, we're the sheep and the chickens habit um the that's where the woofery needs to be so first we need to build a barn and the big thing is i've been asking for this barn for many years i mean you have to admit that but it's like we like asking who santa (laughs) (laughs) so toby's the the friendly connector on the island he knows everybody he grew up on the island and he's always helping everybody else, which is wonderful. Like, I, I love that. And I really appreciate that. And it's time for him to start calling in some favors oh. to get things to, you know, to pour some concrete and have a barn raising Harrison exactly. Ford and witness style. We, literally, we helped somebody else with a barn raising. And now they're sailing and on their boat across the Atlantic Ocean today. Right now. Right now. They are in the middle of the Atlantic right now, and he helped to build their barn. So your contention is that Toby could make a few phone calls, and you would have a woofery in a day or whatever. But Toby, you refuse to do it. Why? This is a... I don't refuse to do it, but we started a few minutes ago talking about how important a tiny home was, and now we're talking about building a barn. And what I really it's need all, help with... It's a cascade. It's a ca- it is a you understand? Serious, it is absolutely it's not a Toby, it's a cascade of events. Of events. <laughs> Toby, you have to build a barn to reduce your workload. <laughs> See how. <laughs> right. Bingo. <laughs> the cost is, the cost is, ir- Toby, the cost is irrelevant. <laughs> Everything is cheaper on an island. <laughs> right? Totally. You've put your finger on it, though, right? So in this cascade of events, all of a sudden we're investing time and money to get us to the point where it actually is uh, an easier job that allows us to, to spend more time elsewhere. What is your time frame? Let's just say that Toby was into your scheme, Amy. What's your time frame for the cascade of events? When would you see that the benefit of the farm and the woofery and the woofies and the reduced, like, is this a five-year plan, a four-year plan, a two-year plan, a one-year plan? 
two years at the max. Is that okay? Two years at the max, putting off your dream, your mutual dream. Well, I think also it. I I totally understand that it's it's antithetical to spend more money on something that we both agree eventually we would like to sell. But I think that we're to this point where people do that all the time. Well, <laughs> and we do need to get it to a point where it's kind of a turnkey operation that someone could continue this work. And right now it's sort of. Uh, you know, no, look, right now, the business model is you make the stuff, you put it out for people to enjoy it. You only ask them afterwards for money if they want to. This business model is insane. <laughs> <laughs> you brought some evidence, some photographic evidence. Yes. You guys and I have both made $5,000. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you brought some, evidence, some photographic evidence. Let's take a look at that now. Can we see the first slide, please? Oh, look at this. Oh, well, this is beautiful. This isn't the nightmare that you portray it to be. So this is this beautiful, even without a local abattoir? <laughs> We'd have fewer sheep if uh, the abattoir is still around. <laughs> so these are two photos side by side, one of which is our, our rustic crates of beautiful orchard fruits. That's our farm stand. That's, I, I imagine that was your farm stand. I didn't think that this photo of a bunch of sheep next to a tree was your farm stand, madam. <laughs> They're right next to the farm stand. That is like, people love it. They come up, they visit the farm stand, they, you know, take some fruit or some bread, and they just sit and, like, hang out and visit with the sheep. Yeah. Do you enjoy farming? Is this fun for you? There's aspects of it that are fun. (laughs) (laughs) And occasionally I resent it. (laughs) Well, I don't think most farmers think that farming is a whole bunch of fun. We don't mind. I mean, I, well, I don't. Hard work. It's, it's hard. really hard work, and I don't mind working hard, but it's uh, it's tiresome after a while. What's the next uh, photograph that you sent us? Oh, uh, there you are on your so sailboat. Look, yeah. you got gasps even from a Port Townsend <laughs> audience, and they know their Isn't boats. She pretty? Yeah. Let let the record reflect that Toby is wearing his ancestral garb, which is seven layers of Patagonia. <laughs> uh, no, that's me. That's me. Oh wow. <laughs> That's the beautiful boat, Dragonfly in Latin. How many can sleep on that boat? Six comfortably. Oh, okay. So you have room for your children, too. Why don't you sell the farm and live on the boat? That was the, well, I mean, the original plan was to... to yeah, we heard that. The yeah. question is... Why don't we do that? <laughs> I, honestly, we, we would like to maybe not live on the boat permanently, but we'd like to get the farm to a state where it really could be sold and continue to be farmed and then we can spend more time on the boat, maybe have a smaller place that doesn't require so much work on land also. We have teenagers. So? They don't want to live on the boat. Yeah, they do. They don't have to brush their teeth. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not suggesting that you realistically would live the rest of your lives exclusively on the boat, but what Toby suggests is that you sell the farm downsized to a property that you don't have to have livestock on or worrying about abattoir access. Uh, and, and But presumably then you would get to spend a lot of time in your boat and not have to find podcasts to offload jam to all the time. Why is that not a good plan? Why make all this investment just now instead of just doing that? We have aging parents. And we have, you know, our youngest is about to start college. So it just feels like we're not quite there. So it's the really, and I don't, 
I don't sit still. So this is the time that we should be building the barn and then making the woofery. And then when they're launched, then we can also go sailing. And then, but would you sell the farm at that point? Let the record show that Amy is staring at Toby. I don't know. And Toby's giving the universal gesture for, go ahead and tell him. <laughs> I mean, the answer isn't yeah. yes, obviously. We're, if it's not yes, it's a no. I mean, we, we're caring for Do you want to hold on parents. to the farm? No. You... <laughs> you have impulses that are against each other. What's the... It's a dialectic inside of you. Oh, yeah. You want to hold on to it at all costs, but you don't want to keep it. No, I, I want somebody you else want to, to take sell care it, of it, but never. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I understand I'm not... This isn't going well for me. No, I mean... <clears throat> well, it may be going extremely well, Amy, because I don't know what you want. <laughs> you might get it. If I were to find in your favor, what would you like me to rule? I get a barn. And that would then cascade. Yeah, that's right. the cascade. You want it all. A barn, a woofery, a, and some woofs. Yeah. And then decide about selling the farm later. Indeterminate period of time later. Well, ideally, we would find, uh, you know, woofers that would want to stay, which happens. And then, you know, they would eventually want to take over the farm. It's hard. I mean, it's really hard work, but you love it. And it, like, you, I just can't walk away from it. I mean, we've put a lot. We've put so much into it. Toby, if I were to rule in your favor, how would you want me to rule? Uh, like I said before, Amy and I have mutual end goals, and and we're in this lockstep together, no problem. And I don't dispute that we need help. Uh, for me, uh, what would be great assistance is for us to, to have a clear plan on priorities and what we can tackle first. And as evidence tonight... <laughs> Let, let the, record, about, let the about, record reflect that Amy made the universal face for, oh, come on. <laughs> However, preparing for tonight and thinking more deeply about this in the last uh, few days, uh, even that process has helped me identify what I like about the farm, what do I not like about the farm, what takes the most work, what are some ways that we could uh, implement... Um, <laughs> To, you know, some help without having to spend tons of money. I haven't quite cracked the code, but... But it's not a barn and a woofery and woofers. If, if we had uh, enough money, a barn would be darn helpful. You could sell a boat, get a barn. <laughs> You're right. You know what? Sell, sell, the, boat. sell the boat and the farm, get yourself a zoo. <laughs> I mean... They have a whole balloon hanger on this compound. <laughs> you could start making zeppelins. You're already you're doing two of the wildest possible things. You know you're crazy when you see a, a zeppelin house like that and think, wow, that would be a great barn. <laughs> it's large enough we could have woofers stay there too. But you don't want the barn and the woofery. I mean, what am I going to rule here? If I rule that she gets the cascade of, of outbuildings, then what? that's it. My, my request. Do you want me to rule against her? My request is simple, which is a... Uh... I don't think it is. <laughs> if, it were, if it were, we'd be done 15 minutes ago. <laughs> I, I, I think don't... I've heard everything I need to in order to make a decision. <laughs> Please rise as Judge Sean Hodgman exits the courtroom.
Amy, how do you feel about your chances here tonight? I don't know. I think it's a toss-up. I really want to... Toby, I'm not even, I'm not going to follow up. <laughs> Toby, how are you feeling? <laughs> uh, I'm thinking that we could have uh, used this time wisely and recruited more help from, from the audience. And uh, <laughs> No, I'm, I'm actually, I'm feeling optimistic simply because thinking more deeply about this as a couple, we've already uh, started to line up ideas that may help us get to a priority list. And then I can make a lot of phone calls. Let me ask you guys this. You got the farm, you got the boat, you got the teenagers. Have you thought about getting two full-time jobs? <laughs> uh, please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom and delivers his verdict. You may be seated. You may be seated, please. While I was in my chambers, I took the opportunity of collecting one of the many jars of jam that were donated to the podcast by your farm homestead that's h-o-l-m-e-s-t-e-a-d farms which is your farm on vashon island i'm trying to help you out here <laughs> give you the big judge john hodgman bump <laughs> the, 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 one, the one that put brooklyn in on the map <laughs> it looks lovely would you open this for me please thank you Thank you very much. And I'm just going to... smells delicious. smells delicious. Mm. I'm just going to try some of this jam right now with my fingers. Mm, there we go. Really? Mm. Mm. That's really good. That's really good. Jesse, you, you should try some. On the record show, Jesse's... He's got a nice... Thank you. This is the lid. <laughs> Got a nice picture of a lamb on it here. <laughs> Jesse, and it says 2022 harvest. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> Raspberry harvest. I understand. <laughs> it's not lamb jam? <laughs> Get that sell in Portland. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's delicious. You're doing good work on the farm. I understand why it is hard to decide. You are doing three of the most irrational things people can do. One, in the, in the 21st century especially. One, own a farm, a working farm, and work that farm. Two, somehow obtain a boat sometime in the past. Who knows? <laughs> a beautiful sailing boat with, with, with birthing for six. And three, you're a middle school teacher. <laughs> and that's right. You should applaud her. That's incredible. Teachers are the real heroes, in my opinion. Now, the solution to me is very clear. You're a middle school teacher. You're in a perfect position to sell a farm, just like Toby's fifth grade teacher <laughs> scammed him into Same buying thing. this albatross. <laughs> so you, how long have you been a teacher? I started teaching in 1999. Right. So surely you have an adult former student that you can con into buying this land. Who were, I have, I have a, a former student who is one of my parapros in, in class. It's great. Yeah. Get yeah. them to buy it off of you. <laughs> but you're not doing it. And I understand why all of this is hard and has been met 
my questions have often been met with uncomfortable silence, which we have to edit out of the podcast. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you're at a p point in your life that, that I'm and, and my partner uh, is at, we're at too, where our children are disappearing before our eyes. Uh, they're becoming their own, uh, their own adults. One of them already is. And it's hard. And what comes next? And dreams of dreams of floating away on your dragonfly boat to the land of Honolulu or whatever you're going to do <laughs> are very attractive, and yet you want to hold on to that land that you've given so much to, even though your kid's probably like, let's get out of here. <laughs> I'm so glad not to be harvesting sheep anymore and living a <laughs> life. <laughs> we say it's character building. Sure. <laughs> You also seem to be, and I understand why it is that you act as though this farm has feelings, Toby. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. people, people personify their houses. People personify their boats, obviously. You talk about your boat with, you know, the pronoun she, you know. That's a thing. It's a thing that can go away like that. It doesn't have feelings. It can sink at any moment. In fact, someone could be sinking it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know I hate to, and it might solve your problem. <laughs> Wink to the audience. You guys can't make a decision because it's so challenging to make a decision. Maybe the decision could be made for you. Wink to the audience. <laughs> this is a picture of the boat. <laughs> I don't think the solution is for someone in the audience to go and find your boat and set it on fire. Good. Okay, please don't do that. Wink to the audience. No, no, sorry, bad wink. That wasn't a wink to that. That's their dream. That's their dream. And the challenging thing that you have to do is get to that dream. Amy, you mentioned that this is not a good time. It's actually a great time for you to make these changes because all the changes are happening right now. Like you're young, you're healthy, you're able-bodied. You said you have parents who need care, but you don't have to be at sea all the time. Your kids are moving on. Everything's changing. This is actually as good a time as any, let's put it that way, for you to take a deep breath and realize that farming is not part of our lives anymore. It's time to make a significant change and trick someone that I taught when they were young <laughs> into taking this and all these sheep off our hands. It's called lifelong learning. <laughs> Tell them it builds character. And so you're coming up with all these schemes to hang on to the thing by building a barn and a wolf house and get woofers in, all of which are, it's a really good plan for maintaining the continuity of this farm and sending it into the world with the same preparation and care that you sent your children out into the world. If Toby were out here saying to me, I really believe that the time has come to sell this farm and get on that boat, and downsize, and I think it should happen this year, then I would probably find in his favor because I think that that's an emotionally healthy thing to do, as hard as it might be. But guess what, Amy? Toby isn't saying that. <laughs> I asked Toby, do you want to sell the farm? And he's crossing his fingers. Get her to say, sell the farm. Toby doesn't want to come out and say, yeah, I want to sell the farm. So, Toby, you're out of luck. <laughs> you got to hang on to this farm. I mean, honestly, I feel like it's been hard to figure out because you guys, 
because you both have real difficulty deciding what it is you want to do. And so it's obviously very hard for me. So I can only go, if I have to rule, and you've come to me to make this ruling, I can only go with the most cohesive plan there is. And I think that's improve the property such that, well, wait a minute. Yeah, you can celebrate. I'm, I'm fine. You got it. You got it. Improve, improve the property such that it can be passed on and will be more attractive to someone who might buy it from you. And also, you will know you gave it your best shot and it's ready to pass along and then get out of there within a two to, I mean, honestly, two to 25-year <laughs> period. <laughs> But, but it's, but it's, and, and that means, and that, and you know, y your punishment for your ambivalence <laughs> is that this is going to happen. <laughs> you know, if you had said to me, I just don't feel like this is right for us. I think it's time, blah, blah, blah. blah. But you know, you, you gotta, you gotta get out there and you gotta call in those favors. You gotta, you know, you gotta go all around the island and say, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting this farm ready to sell. And it's going to take a little while because people, that's what people do. You know, they do improve their properties and get them to sell, as long as there's private property, which is a sin, by the way. <laughs> Just put it there. Yeah. As is taxation, I'm working both sides of the aisle. <laughs> I know, I know, I know you had a libertarian newspaper or something that was published here. But as long as, as long as we live in this reality right now, I have to rule in Amy's favor. You gotta build that wolf house. This is the sound of a gavel. <laughs> Judge Jan Hodgman rules that as well. Amy and Toby, thanks for being on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Judge Hodgman, we're taking a break from the Wheeler Theater. Let's talk about what we've got going on. What's going on with you? Well, Jesse, it is early February. It's not too soon to mark your calendar for next month, March 24th which is the premiere of all eight episodes of Up Here. That's the musical comedy, romantic comedy, that is created by our friends Bobby Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez, along with Thomas Kale and Stephen Levinson. Tommy, of course, director of Hamilton and the brand new Sweeney Todd uh, production on Broadway. Stephen Levinson, of course, wrote the book 
for uh, Dear Evan Hansen and uh, also um, wrote the screenplay for Tick, Tick, Boom. I mean, this is like a Broadway Voltron. They've created one of the funnest, liveliest, heartfelt, true rom-coms of the 90s because it is set in 1999, brought it forward to now. It stars Mae Whitman and Carlos Valdez, and they're so wonderful in it. And Katie Finneran plays May's mom. And guess who plays her dad? Me. Uh, I was going to say Richard Kind, but uh, you, you're good too. I think I think he wasn't available. Instead, it's me. And I sing some songs, parts of songs. And I do exactly one twirl on the sidewalks of New York. And if you're a fan of Judge John Hodgman, I think you will enjoy Up Here. I really, really encourage you to check it out and tell your friends about it. Up Here premieres March 24th on your Hulu, where you get all of your other best and favoritest shows like Dicktown, for example. Also, speaking of Dicktown, co-creator of Dicktown, that cartoon that we put on Hulu that everyone enjoys, is named David Reese, and he co-hosts a podcast called Election Profit Makers with his old friend from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, John Kimball. It's a really wonderful podcast. Check it out. If you happen to be in Gainesville on March 7th, you should go to Satchel's Pizza and check out their first in many years live event. Election Profit Makers are coming live to Satchel's Pizza in Gainesville, Florida, February 7th. If you've never listened to the show before, you're going to have a great time figuring it all out. If you have listened to the show before, you know what a big deal this is. EPM meets Satchel, March the 7th. Get there as soon as you can. Well, at least by March the 7th. What do you got going on, Jesse? Well, you know that I host the arts and culture interview show Bullseye for National Public Radio. Well, for MaximumFun.org, as distributed by National Public Radio. I do know. And I know very well. We have just had some really cool episodes lately that I have not mentioned here that I think our listeners might want to go check out. Uh, we had a great conversation with Kate Beaton about her just breathtaking graphic novel or graphic memoir, Ducks. Um, we had a great conversation with Kumail Nanjiani recently. Uh, great convo with John Larroquette, um, who's, you know, talk about, talk about courtroom heroes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I just, I did not mention this when it happened. I should have mentioned it when immediately upon it happening, but yes, I had to have an hour long interview with Tom Hanks in there. The best of the best of the best. Kate Beaton, Kumail, John Larroquette, Tom Hanks, boom, boom, boom. It's hit after hit after hit on Bullseye. If you're not listening to Bullseye, I don't know what to tell you. Why do you think I exist here on this podcast? It's because I met Jesse Thorne because I listened to him interview people on the show that became Bullseye. And I realized this guy's got the best conversation game in the game. Go over there and listen to all these good ones on Bullseye and just tune it in every week for heaven's sake. Maximumfun.org. Bullseye. Take a chance on somebody you haven't heard of. Mavi is incredible. That's, that's reason too. Yeah. Well, I mean, the... I can't tell you the names of the people that I discovered because I listened to Bullseye and you interviewing them. And I can't tell you that because I'm friends with them now and it would be weird. The point is Bullseye is great and you should go listen to it. Bullseye, MaximumFun.org. Let's get back to the stage in Port Townsend, Washington. Please welcome Brittany and Chris to the stage. Welcome, Brittany and Chris. Please be seated. You consider yourselves pre-sworn in. Brittany and Chris, who comes seeking justice before me in this fake court of law? I do. And that would be Brittany. That's correct. And what is the justice you seek? 
So the justice I seek, uh, Chris and I disagree on who came up with the name for our corgi. <laughs> yeah. I love corgi cases. <laughs> what is the name of this cool dog? Her name is Frodo. Frodo? That's pretty good. Yeah. I'm glad who came I came up, up with the name, it? Brittany. I did. Thanks for asking. What? <laughs> I hear around Port Townsend that Chris came up with the name. Chris, what is your side of this? Um, I believe that I came up with the name uh, six months before we even drove out to Idaho to pick her up. And uh, I am so, I'm so into the idea that I picked her name. I usually fold on most arguments, but this is the but one here thing. here you it, take it, your stand? I stand for four years. To be fair, if you're both Judge John Hodgman listeners, you both fold on most arguments. <laughs> There's a cultural type. Why, what evidence do you have to suggest that you came up with the name and not Brittany? She would always try to come up with names. She wanted the corgi, she wanted specifically a corgi. Her heart was corgi shaped. Sure, I understand. Uh, That's why you drove to Idaho or whatever. <laughs> In one day. And of course, the, you know, we on the podcast always, always encourage people to adopt rescue pets without concern for their particular breed. But I also appreciate, as a, a life partner of someone who is obsessed with a particular kind of dog, corgis, sometimes the heart likes what it likes. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you're going to get a potato dog, you got to do it in Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the heart wants a chunk. So, uh, so where were we? Uh, yeah, she wanted, the, she wanted the dog. You said, only if I can name it. And I name it Frodo. So she would and come I up. Wrote it, and I wrote it this down and I mailed it to myself. <laughs> Here is the evidence, sir. Courtroom gasps. I'm sorry, Brittany, this seems pretty cut and dry. So she really wanted to name the corgi food items. Like sure biscuit, biscuit. from uh, hambone to nugget. hambone. Uh, hambone came up. Hambone is the best name for all dogs. <laughs> so Brittany, biscuit was one of the names. What were some of the other names that you were thinking of? So some of the other names I'd come up for a female dog at the time were whiskey, bourbon, cider. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> a whiskey drink. <laughs> a cider drink. <laughs> Food. Slow gin, green <laughs> alcohol. How yeah. dry I am. <laughs> so these were the names that I come up with for female dogs, because I had already decided on the name I wanted for a male dog, which was Frodo. Okay. Yes. So I already knew male dog, it's going to be Frodo. So that's why I Chris remembers correctly that I came up with all these other names, but it was for a female dog if the time came when we drove to get our little potato and our potato turned out to be female. So Frodo is a boy dog, obviously, because you named it Frodo. No, Frodo is <gasps> a female dog. Courtroom gasps. <laughs> Things aren't so cut and dry after all. So when the time came around a week or so before we went to go pick up our little spud, they sent us photos of either a male or a female. Um, I wanted to get the male because I wanted to 
named the corgi Frodo, but Chris always grew up with female dogs, so we decided to go with the female dog, but because really hadn't decided on another female dog name, decided, what the heck, it's a fantasy name, why can't we name our female dog Frodo? And did you say that, or did Chris say that? Probably me. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, when did you even ever suggest Frodo for the name of this dog, ever? Uh, Six months before we went to go pick her up. Uh, it, It came up in conversation when we were spitballing names, and I defended the name for Frodo, regardless if it was for a female or a male dog. But who came up with the name? I'll tell you who. J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> I'm trying, to, trying to rip off the estate? <laughs> Real quick, who came up with the name first? Real answer. Don't wait for the translation. Who came up with the name? Who first, first said Frodo? Who first said it? Me. Do you disagree? Yes. <laughs> this is a matter of what they call fact. <laughs> who suggested the name Frodo of, for either gender of the dog? This is where we, this is the fundamental disagreement. Great. (laughs) We are out of time, so let's hear it. What's the fundamental disagreement? I believe I came up and introduced the name Frodo for Quirky first. What argument do you have, Chris, that this is false? Why is Brittany lying? Because I I feel like I came up with the name. (laughs) It's a feeling. The heart wants what it wants, John. I believe you sent in some evidence, which I presume is just an adorable photo of Frodo the dog. Probably. In the style of Family Feud, show me Frodo! (laughs) 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 Look at this dumb dog. (laughs) I love it. I love her. Give me the dog. I'll take the dog. (laughs) My dog's dead. Give me the dog. Obviously, these photos will be available on our show page at MaximumFun.org, as well as on our Instagram, at Judge John Hodgman. There are wonderful Frodo's of Frodo. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Jesse, pack up. We're going to Seattle right now. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and in one, of the, in one of them, Frodo seems to be turning to the camera saying, uh, Chris named me Frodo? I don't think so. J.R.R. Tolkien named me Frodo. Sorry, Chris, I don't, you, you didn't present any evidence. Why is it important to you that you have named this dog? Do you got to control everything in the relationship or what? <laughs> so I can reserve naming rights for the next Corgi. If you wanted to reserve naming rights for the next Corgi, and by the way, I approve of getting two, then you would be giving this up to Brittany now, saying, well, you named Frodo Frodo, so I get to name this one what? Samwise. <laughs> a, a blonde corgi Chris Chris it's it's pronounced tambone <laughs> I find in Brittany's favor although Brittany he does have naming rights on the next corgi and I think you see what is coming down the road for you now and I feel very sorry for you <laughs> when the road goes ever ever on I find in Brittany's favor okay <laughs> Please welcome to the stage, Lindsay. 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 And whom, Jesse? Lindsay and who? It just says here, Lindsay. It just says Lindsay. All right, let's find out what's going on here, Lindsay. We'll get Lindsay up to the stage here. Lindsay, I guess you 
you may be seated wherever you like. Uh, normally, we have people come up with a with a disputant, someone that they have a, a dispute with. But who is that in your case? The mayor. <gasps> <laughs> Let the record show I dropped my gavel. Port Townsend, 2 p.m. on Tuesdays. <laughs> no, actually, it would be every day. Port Townsend, every day, 3 p.m. on CBS. This is highly offensive. No one should sue me. What is going on? What is your what is your dispute? His mother with the mayor? was murdered by a soap opera. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I would have sued you even if you weren't the mayor. So um, no. <laughs> um, what is your dispute with uh, Mayor Faber? My request is simple. I am seeking an injunction that Mayor Faber be prevented from seeking anyone outside of a licensed esthetician to Shave his back. Wow. <laughs> we are learning a lot about old, cold-handed, cold-feet, hairy-back mayor Faber. Swiftly turning from the Judge John Hodgman podcast to the David Cronenberg body horror <laughs> hour. <laughs> Okay, ah, uh, who is this person, Mayor, and what's going on? Uh, this is my friend, Lindsay. Uh, we went to law school together. I see. And uh, we, we traveled internationally to study abroad in Croatia in 2010. And before we left, well, first of all, I'm a very hairy man. I don't necessarily look like it, but... No, yeah, I wouldn't have... Uh, yeah, okay. I'm wearing, like, one of those, like, medieval hair shirts, but just it's permanently attached to my body. Um, and, and, uh, before we left, uh, my, my long-suffering wife, uh, shaved my back, uh, but the problem with shaving is it starts to grow back out, and we were there for, like, Really fast. <laughs> were you asked to shave this man's back? I was, yes. <laughs> Mayor Faber. Where were you traveling again, Lindsay? We, we went to Croatia. Are you telling me that there are no men's back salons in all of Croatia? <laughs> there are hairy people, so there should be. Uh, there probably was. Uh, yes, I find in your favor, Lindsay. <laughs> Thank you. Please welcome you. to the stage, Sam. Now, I can't help but notice, Judge Hodgman, I, I only listed one name again. Sam was what you said? Sam. All right, let's go Let's on get on Sam here. up here so we can do this case. Here comes Sam. Sam, you may be seated wherever you like. All right, thank you. Sam, you also have appeared without a, 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 a disputant on, uh, to either your left or your right. Who's your dispute with? I am also suing my mayor. Whoa. Well, no, I mean, at this point, it's not even a gasp of surprise. It's more <laughs> of a, a sigh of resignation. <laughs> I'm not suggesting you resign, Mayor. That's not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> at this point, we should be charging $20 for charity like a dunk booth at a carnival. <laughs> I'm sorry you're being put through the ringer. You were so nice to bring us here and keep us captive in this state park. <laughs> That's not true. It's not true. Uh, Sam, what is the nature of your beef with the mayor? I would like a declaratory judgment that... Does it have to do anything with his body? <laughs> No. Okay, good. No, he has to refrain. 
Um, I would like a declaratory judgment that the song Last Christmas by Wham is not a good song and enjoining him from playing it at any future holiday time social engagements. Wow. A community... <laughs> order, order. Audience, shut your pie holes. Obviously, this is community divided. <laughs> this is the Raccoon Lodge of 1980s Christmas hits. <laughs> if I may ask the audience, by sound of applause, who likes the song Last Christmas by Wham? That's enough. If I may ask by sound of applause, who dislikes it? Okay, hold on. Hold on. Thank you very much. Hold on. By round of applause, who saw Paul Feig's movie last Christmas and was really impressed by Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones, who was super funny and charming in it, like real lighthearted and not at all like a dragon queen type thing. <laughs> she was great in that movie. I was hoping the audience would decide, but I have, um, I have incredibly sensitive ears, and that was an exact 50-50 <laughs> breakdown. Sam, you, tell me why I should ban this song. You don't like it. So a, a number of number of reasons. Number one, it's it's not a good Christmas song because it only mentions. How do you mean? It says last Christmas. It, and that's I all gave it you says. my heart the very no, next day, Boxing Day. <laughs> you, in England, you gave it away. So, so that's the only Somebody reference goes, to anything. I don't remember the rest. Well, none of the other lyrics contain any reference to Christmas or wintertime holiday cheer or anything. You could replace. Okay, so it's the not word. a suitable Christmas song. It's not a suitable Christmas All right. song. What's another reason? The music is insipid and boring, which is not in character for a wham jam. You're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Last minute saved. <laughs> We're going to besmirch the name of George Michael, but you saved it last second. I, that was not intended. We'll be selling Wham Jam after the show. <laughs> Homestead Farms, Wham Jam. Guess what? I solved your problem. I just bought half a zoo. Farm, I mean. That was unintended, and I didn't mean to point at the jam when I no, said it. No, it's great. These things happen. Um, there are no hooks. It's not catchy. Is there a bridge? I don't even remember if it's a bridge. I think there's a bridge, but it's just more of the synth music that sounds like it's playing in a mall in the 1980s. I see. And the third reason? And the third reason? You're saying it's not, it doesn't, it's not Christmassy enough. It's, it's not the lyrics a good song. Are, the lyrics are not Christmassy enough. The mu- Musically, it's not a good song. And I guess lyrically, as a Christmas song, it's not a good song. There's two reasons. It's a double entendre. Does he play it a lot? <laughs> 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 I, I, know th- I know that's not a double entendre. It's a no, callback. no. I, now I realize now everything is. <laughs> you should talk to David about sandwiches sometime. Mm, no. Maybe later. It says here you are David's law partner. I am. 
Does he play this at holiday parties at the law office? I, I, I not at the not at the office. No, it is Howard. Does what is what is this? Why, why do you care what song he likes? So so it's not that it, I don't want him to not like it. I don't mind it, this, but we have there's. It's very common if there's a song that I'm hearing frequently. Maybe it'll be at his house. Maybe it won't be at his house, and I don't particularly care for it. And I express that if he likes it, he will he will immediately jump on it and say, oh, this is great. No, I really like it. I really, like Wham is one of the, uh, not not all of their you know catalog. What? They're really I'll good. I'll allow him to defend okay. the song. Why do you like Last Christmas by Wham so much? Is that a Wham song or a George Michael song? It's Wham. Is this? All right. Thank you, audience. <laughs> one very confident audience member. <laughs> Appreciate that. So why do I like it? Um, I think it is a... Do you like it because he hates it? Yes. No, no. no, no. <laughs> 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 I think it's, uh, I completely disagree with Sam's points. I think it's a structurally very good song. It has uh, multiple hooks, both the, um, the, the main keyboard uh, uh, melody and then with the, the, the bass moving around that melody, I think it works really well. It's very complex in its structure. Um, all right. And it's, it's, it's a rich text, Judge Hodgman. That's how they managed to make an entire feature film out of it. The movie was adapted from the song. Literally. Well, Pretty you know, movie. I did go to Yale University, an accredited four-year college in Southern Connecticut, where I did study literary theory. And while that mostly trained me for textual analysis, in many ways, all songs are texts. So maybe I need to decide whether or not this is a good song or not. Why don't we listen to it? I'll be taking some notes. Oh, Christmas. It's got a point about how complicated the baseline is. It goes, <laughs> it goes, dum 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 dum. I said the baseline plays around with the melody and makes it complicated together. Maybe you have very very good headphones. <laughs> Here's what I wanted to have. Let's just say he has very kind headphones. <laughs> Here's what I wanted to happen, David, Mr. Mayor, if I may. Please. We are your guests. We would not be here without your encouragement. Frequent. <laughs> Insistent. Per yeah, perhaps constant. <laughs> it has been such a delight to be here in, in the town that you serve as mayor, um, to meet many of your colleagues and family members, <laughs> as well as the citizens of this town on stage and in the audience, and to be here at the Wheeler Theater at the lovely Fort Warden State Park, which is not a cult compound, but a beautiful resource for the entire community with a balloon hanger that I hope we can come back to and play again um, sometime when it's warmer out. <laughs> uh, it's been wonderful to meet the folks here at Centrum who put on all the programming here. 
Um, and if you're listening to this at home, please check out what they're doing here in Port Townsend at the Wheeler Theater and all throughout the compound. It's an incredible arts, uh, uh, arts uh, uh, resource for the entire community. I think it's great. I have long, and I'm on the record, hated this song. <laughs> I don't hate Wham. I no, love their no. jams. <laughs> People in my life that I live with and have known for many years love this song. I don't. I was hoping that if I listened to it again, especially with your analysis, so that I knew what to listen for, the, <laughs> the clever interplay of the bass with the <laughs> repetitive synthy meow meows. That, you know, maybe I would hear it again somehow. Do you know, like... You know, when, when, the, when, the, when the big documentary about the Beatles came out, and all those songs that you'd heard so many times, suddenly they broke them down and you heard them in a different way. That didn't happen tonight. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to rule, that it's a bad song? Yes, and enjoin him from uh, playing it at social events. Oh, I'll never do that. <laughs> He's the mayor. Sorry. <laughs> Get lost. <laughs> I find in the mayor's favor. Thank you to Sam. Thank you to Mayor David Faber. Thank you for Thank having you. us here. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks to all the litigants who joined us on stage at the Wheeler Theater in Port Townsend. Our special thanks to Mayor David Faber for bringing us to Port Townsend and all the good folks uh, in Port Townsend who welcomed us so graciously and made our trip possible. Um, and packed the house. I mean, packed the house with the swiftness. It sold out instantly. Yeah. We had super fans emailing us saying, I live in Port Townsend. I didn't get tickets in time. Who knew? Who knew indeed? Well, we'll be back to Port Townsend, of course, and hope to be, meet you out there on the road many a time. Do you think next time we'll play that Zeppelin hanger that they have? Yeah, I think we've got a big enough audience in Port Townsend now to play that Zeppelin hanger. You're absolutely right. Evidence and photos from the show are on our Instagram account at Instagram.com slash Judge John Hodgman. Make sure to follow us there. That could be our Burning Man. It's just us doing our gentle podcast in a Zeppelin hangar in Port Townsend, Washington. Yeah, but I want to get that guy who used to write for The Simpsons who, who plays the fiery sousaphone who goes to Burning Man every year, too. I want him, too. Oh, wow. Uh, maybe we should just try and get Bill Oakley, who does the fast food reviews on Instagram. <laughs> that seems more realistic. <laughs> Join the conversation about this week's episode on the Maximum Fun subreddit at maximumfun.reddit.com. Judge John Hodgman, created by Jesse Thorne and John Hodgman. This episode was recorded by Matthew Barnhart. Thank you, Matthew. And produced by Valerie Moffat, Richard Roby, and Jennifer Marmer. Thank you, Val, Richard, and Jen. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.